And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, let's get started on the Notre Dame Ohio State preview version of the Shamrock Live. I'm Pete Sampson coming to you from uh, just East of the Steppen Center on uh, Notre Dame's campus. I was uh, fortunate to talk to a, a journalism class this morning uh, in Flanner Hall, so I've got a little bit more of a campus vibe than I usually do from either a Fairfield Marriott in North Carolina or my desk at home. But uh, we've got plenty of stuff to talk about. I can give you a little bit more of a campus vibe than usual. Uh, since I'm over here, I've seen a little bit of red, but not a lot. I've seen the game day setup outside of Touchdown Jesus in the tunnel. The sort of campus buzz thing is happening here. So it uh, it should be a fun weekend. Hopefully a lot of you guys uh, and women are going to be able to make it to the game. Drew M., uh, you're going to get the first question on Shamrock Live if you can hear me. Uh, Drew, can you hear me? If you can, go ahead with your question. I was wondering uh, what you think the rotation of running backs is going to be for Ohio State, you know, a different style than we faced all year so far. And, mm-hmm. and how much is Hartman going to have to use these legs in this game? Because he hasn't really had to use them yet, but I know he has the ability to. And I'm just, that was the main thing I was wondering offensively. And then defensively, what do we do with Marvin Harrison? You know, do we shadow him the whole time or do we do bracket coverage over top? I mean, what's the best game plan going forward there too? Yeah, so I, on the Audric Estime, like if there ever was a game where Notre Dame should have Audric Estime have 25 carries, this is the one. I think they will lean really hard in Audric and sort of trying to pound the Ohio State linebackers um, defensive line tomorrow night as much as possible. You know, you mentioned Sam Hartman and his legs. It's it's interesting. Like one of the things that I try to track when I'm going through and rewatching the games is how many run concepts are sort of like zone reads with the quarterback and then how often do they give it? How often do they keep it? Um, to date, Sam Hartman has never kept it. All of his runs have been scrambles. There's been a couple design runs. Um, like you look at NC State where they're third long, they designed up a, a QB draw for him. But he's never faked to estimate and then kept it himself or faked to love or price. So I'd be interested to sort of see that on Saturday night. I don't think you want him running a ton. That's not the strength of his game, but it's not a weakness, which I think you sort of alluded to there. So there's got to be a couple plays where Hartman fakes the given and keeps it and then runs for six yards on third and five. You know, with Marvin Harrison, how you defend that, it was interesting re-watching last year's game a little bit. You know, would they put a safety over the top? Sure. Play cloud coverage or, you know, cover two type stuff. Like, I think you mix and match there. Um, Because last year, I thought Notre Dame did a really good job of sort of keeping the top on, and Notre Dame did a nice job of like keeping the lid on that stuff. So I think you just got to mix and match with Marvin Harrison. But I do think one of the things that's significant for tomorrow night is 
like this is probably the best group of corners that Ohio State will see all year. And to me, that that's where, you know, like Notre Dame can have some success because they're not scared to death of Ohio State's receivers. Like you respect them, like you respect the Mecca Buka and Marvin Harrison, but you don't have to build your entire defense around them in the way that I think a lot of other teams do. So that's that would be how I answer those two things. All right, Samuel V, I'm going to call you up to the stage. Uh, Sam, you're on the Shamrock Club. I think you might be muted, but if you can unmute yourself. Okay, Sam, I think now I can hear you. Go ahead with your question. Hey, Pete, just wanted to say thanks for all you do. I appreciate it. And uh, I've got kind of a different question. Do you think they'll try to put Rico and Tobias out there together to try to take some deep shots? I know they've uh, they've been looking for him a little bit more mm-hmm. out there, but I didn't know if they'd be out there together or not to kind of stretch that secondary a little bit more. Thanks again. In terms of like where the receivers align and who's out with who, um, yeah, it's like you have Rico and Tobias sort of play the same position. Um, I you know I think I think that Jaden Thomas he's not a burner, but like if he. You saw at NC State, they tried to take kind of a medium deep-ish shot to him. You know, is there something more like that? Uh, I I think that the deep shot, Notre Dame will take it tomorrow night, but I, I don't think that that's how the, the game plan has to be built the same way that it was maybe last week where you passed to open up the run. I think that you're talking to Jared Parker this week about offense and balance and, you know, what – you know, can Notre Dame be a pass-first offense that uses the pass to set up the run? I think we will see some of that tomorrow night, but in, in terms of the deep shots, and, I, like, my biggest fear for Ohio State tomorrow night, if you're Notre Dame, is, like, you try to take a deep shot, but Sam Hartman gets blitzed or Rocco Spindler or Blake Fisher don't hold up on the offensive line and there's pressure into Hartman. you got to take some deep shots, but you also got to protect – for those deep shots in a way that um, Notre Dame didn't have to worry about nearly as much in the past. So we'll go next to Felipe C and then Andrew G will be after that. But uh, Felipe, you're, uh, I see your photo. So you've got to be, uh, you're with us here at the athletic. Go ahead with your question. Hey, what's going on, Pete? Uh, Nice to, nice to meet you finally. Yes. uh, Within this, within this forum, I am a South Bend bred Notre Dame fan went to high school at St. Joe High School. So, nice. um, and I am your colleague on the soccer desk. I'm actually, I should be writing a story right now about Messi, but I've jumped into your, <laughs> I've jumped into this because some things I, are bigger than Messi, right? Maybe Ohio right? State, Notre Dame was one of them. Yeah, I mean, it's just a massive, massive game. I'm going to be hosting a, a little get-together tomorrow night here in Atlanta. I wanted to ask you about Andre Gestime, though, because I, I love his evolution. Uh, he's developed nicely. Yes, he has some flaws with, with some ball handling and all that, but I can't help it. Like, I'm very nostalgic when I watch Notre Dame games, and I grew up with Jerome Bettis, you know, watching those teams play. And I'm, I'm not ready to completely compare the two, but – I mean, what are your thoughts? There are some similarities there. The guy just cannot be tackled. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think with Estime and like the baby bus comparisons, I think people jumped on that early, and I was like, oh, okay, all right, hold up, hold up. I think the hurdles last week, he's got, you know, you're getting more of like a highlight vibe to him now with the 80-yard TD run. You know, the feet are so quick, um, and now he's got a little bit more of a fifth gear than maybe he showed or had a chance to show last year. So. I mean, I see it. I think it's there, you know, and if he has a big game tomorrow night, that's going to put that in overdrive. He's got a personality about him. Jerome did too. Um, Jerome, I think, should be at the game tomorrow night because I want to say his 
son who's a receiver prospect is visiting. So I'm all aboard the Otter Gessime hype train. Um, I think it took a while to get on board um, just because I felt like, okay, the Jerome Bettis comparison to an NFL Hall of Famer when the guy was a sophomore was a little bit much, but I think you're seeing the personality, the athleticism, um, all that come out now. He's an easy guy to identify with if you're a Notre Dame fan. So I'm, I'm all for it, the uh, comparisons at this point. All right, next up, Andrew G. Uh, Andrew G., you are on the Shamrock Live. Go ahead with your question. Hey, just a question. I, I was thinking about it from Marcus Freeman's perspective and his job security. Like, what do you think a win would mean to his career at Notre Dame? Like, do you think his agent could immediately start recruiting a contract extension if Notre Dame won a game like this? Hmm. That's, you know, it's an interesting question. His agent will be here at the game. It would definitely be a check in the contract extension column for his agent. Do I think Notre Dame would engage it him now on that? Maybe after the season, you know, I think I would view it this way. If Notre Dame goes 10 and two or 11 and one, especially if they go 11 and one, they will start working on a different contract for Marcus. I don't know the exact financial terms of his first deal, but I believe it to be written with room for growth because he was a first-time head coach. They were not going to pay him like Brian Kelly at the end when he was at the beginning of his coaching career. If you're beating Ohio State or USC, if you're beating Ohio State and USC, then I think you could start to view your compensation as like, well, maybe I should be compensated like one of the top 10 coaches in the country. So I do think tomorrow night would have some impact on that. I think that Marcus Freeman is well compensated, you know, but also there's new AD here. Um, you know, how does that change things up? Does that maybe slow down or speed up that process? I'm not really sure. A win tomorrow night would definitely put Marcus Freeman's agent on notice that like, all right, this is something we should remember whenever we sit down at the negotiating table, which I would think probably would be after the season, if the season keeps on an upward trajectory. All right, Zibikowski's Revenge. I'm going to call you to the stage on the Shamrock Lives. Go ahead with your question. All right. Thanks, Pete. Uh, Great to be on. Real quick question for you. It feels like the confidence level of this team kind of mirrors Marcus Freeman's confidence level in the Mm -hmm. sense that Marcus feels like he's much more, he knows what he's doing. And it's just, it, to me, it's been a huge, huge difference this year. I guess how much of, of the team's growth and really the confidence, I feel like we believe we can win this game. Mm-hmm. I think last year, we, last year we were hoping to not get killed and maybe steal yeah. one. How, how much of that is just from Marcus's growth as a coach? How much of it is from bringing in Sam Hartman? And uh, how much is just from the team's eternal belief and how, how good it is? So thanks. Yeah, I think, you know, it's a cop out to say both, but I I do think that one, the Sam Hartman effect, like if you have the better quarterback in the game, you believe you can win the game. Notre Dame has the better quarterback in this game. I think that is, it's too simplistic to say it's just the quarterback because I do think Marcus Freeman has had growth about messaging and confidence. I think he's much more comfortable in his own skin now than he was a year ago, certainly more than he was against Ohio State last year when you're right. I don't, you know, did Notre Dame hope to win the game? Maybe. Did they believe to win? they were going to win the game? No. It's a much different vibe around the team and certainly the fan base this year opposed to last year. I think that, you know, Freeman's confidence and messaging and how aggressive he is, I just think we're seeing more of Marcus Freeman being himself now. 
you know, he's not trying to pretend to be a head coach. Like he is the head coach. And I think that confidence comes through and how he talks to the team, how aggressive he is. The question of like, can I do this job has already been answered to him. Whereas if you think about the Ohio State game last year, he's 0-1, then he's 0-2, and then he's 0-3. Like no one in their right mind would have this like sort of unquestioned confidence about their ability to do this job when he hadn't won a game. He's got some scar tissue. I, I think that's going to should serve him well on Saturday, uh, regardless of the outcome. All right, Mark W., you're next on the Shamrock Live. Mark W., go ahead with your question. Who do you think will be the guest picker on college game day? Uh, so this is ebbed and flowed. Like, I know my 13-year-old daughter wanted to be Taylor Swift. I don't think it's happening. Then I had heard Manti Teo was a possibility. Someone close to him last night said that's not happening. Today's rumor is Vince Vaughn, which makes a ton of sense. 30th year anniversary of Rudy. Big Notre Dame fan. Someone who's pretty recognizable. So as I sit here and do this show with you guys at 1232 on Friday afternoon, Vince Vaughn is my is my pick for the guest picker. Brandon M., go ahead with your question. Ryan A., can you hop back in the queue? Yep. I think I knocked you out there. Excellent. Uh, all right. So my question for you is this. I feel like Notre Dame's kind of in a, uh, an interesting situation with having three top teams on their schedule uh, in mm-hmm. terms of making a playoff uh, appearance. So all I heard all offseason is uh, people saying you got to win two of three. Obviously, we know we want to win all of them, but Mm -hmm. hypothetically, you know, USC, Clemson, Ohio State, we got to win two of three. Who would you say is the one team that Notre Dame could afford to lose to out of those three? That's an interesting way to put it. Initially, I think in the offseason, I thought that like you had to split Ohio State and USC, but then win Clemson because you would have some momentum going the rest of the year. I think now with Clemson sort of falling off a little bit, I don't think that game is going to have the stakes for Clemson. Um, I don't think it's going to be like feel like it did in 2020 when Clemson came up here or even last year, certainly because Notre Dame will be better. But I think if you sweep Ohio State and USC, now I'm sort of of the belief that that's going to have more impact on Notre Dame as a playoff contender because we know Ohio State's really good. We know USC is really good. I would rather have the wins, beat the best teams on your schedule, regardless of it's home or away, than the timing of the loss. Because it's like, let's all, let's take a moment and imagine a college football media world where Notre Dame is 8-0, having beaten the reigning Heisman Trophy winner and Ohio State. That would be an interesting place to be for Notre Dame football. And I think that they would al- they would almost be able to weather a loss at Clemson in November if then you kick on and, and win the last couple games there to finish 11-1. and one. At that point, you would have a win over the Pac-12 champion. You may have a win over the Big Ten champion as well. I think at Clemson, I don't think it's going to win the ACC because they're going to lose to Florida State tomorrow. But wins over conference champions – I think will carry the day more than like a quality road win would, which is kind of how I felt at the beginning of the year. I thought Clemson was going to be better. So win these next two, B8-0, obviously with the Duke and Louisville games in between. Then the conversation about Notre Dame football is like, the headlines will be, should Notre Dame be number one, which is like crazy to think about, but that that would be a legitimate story at that point um, if you swept these two. And I think the, the sort of updraft um, you would get out of that would be very, very significant. We will go to Andrew L. Andrew L. 
All right, you're on stage. Andrew L. on the Shamrock Live. Go ahead with your question. Okay. Uh, is it wrong that I'm still just preparing myself to get blown out by <laughs> Ohio State? Yes. Yes. Just, again, you know, you do see the Manti Teo thing. I just turned 30. I've, I was too young to ever even see a Notre Dame compete under Lou Holtz. And mm-hmm. so the thing that got me really to really become a Notre Dame fan was that 2012 team. And I thought they had a chance against Alabama, and I will never forgive Nick Saban for it. So it's like I've just – other than maybe the Clemson win in 2020 and, again, last year, I've just become so – have so much scar tissue from it. And it's like I know – I'm pretty sure Sam is better than the um, than Comacord. I'm just not sure that they can. It just it feels like I'm just getting my hopes up again to get beaten, punched in the gut. Well, look, Ohio State is favored for a reason. They have a great roster, very good head coach, very good quarterback, great receivers. Ohio State can easily win the game on Saturday night. But I I would be floored if it was the gut punch variety where you came out of the game as a Notre Dame fan thinking like, have I been sold a bill of goods? Is is Notre Dame, you know, not a legitimate 10-win team? Um, If we're suddenly talking about like, well, Notre Dame is just not that talented or maybe, you know, their first four wins are a mirage. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, could the game look like both of those Georgia games? Yeah, definitely. Could it look like the Clemson game in 2015? That's possible too. But I don't think it's going to look like Ohio State last year where it was clear who was the most talented team on the field and the other team was hanging out for dear life. I definitely don't think it's going to look like the Clemson playoff game or the Clemson ACC championship game where you're dealing with Trevor Lawrence or the Alabama game that you referenced uh, in 2012 or even, shoot, even the Alabama game in 2020 in the playoff where you're going against the Heisman Trophy winner and like a parade of first round picks. Because I feel like if you look at Notre Dame in these big moments in the regular season, they've been really good, even when they lose. Georgia, Georgia, at, at Florida State in 2014, at Clemson in 2015, like those are really good games. Like Notre Dame lost them, but it felt like these are two heavyweight teams. One heavyweight team wins, one heavyweight team loses. Notre Dame could easily be the heavyweight that loses on Saturday night. But I, I think what would surprise me most about Saturday is if we came out of it thinking like, ah, you know, Notre Dame, I just don't know if they're that good. I don't think that's what's going to happen. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. 
Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, Daniel K., you're next on the Shamrock Live. Go ahead with your question. Hey, Pete, how you doing? I'm great. Uh, I just want to tell Andrew L., first of all, as a lifelong Cub fan, you got to continue to believe no matter what's happening to you. <laughs> My question is about the front seven. Who on the front seven, obviously on the defense, needs to step up and have their best game in an Irish uniform for Notre Dame to really win this game? Is it Leofau? Is it uh, uh, Jordan Patello? Is it Howard Cross? Who is it? Who's got to step up? I think that in some ways we're kind of at a point now, I don't know if there's one person that has to step up. I think that that's, that's a group they have to play well together, all four of them. You know, Javante Jean-Baptiste, there's a lot on the line for him going against the school that where he was just a rotational player. You know, Jordan Botello, point, I think a while ago where, um, you know, with Jordan Botello, we used to sort of see him as like, okay, if he can just get pressure on third and 10, like that would be a good performance for him. And now, I mean, now he's an every down player and I think playing pretty well. So I'm sort of the mindset that there isn't one player in the front four that needs to play well for Notre Dame to, to move the needle. I think if I had to pick one about the guy who has the most difference between where he's playing now and how well he could be playing is Riley Mills to me. He, to me, looks like a guy that should be an NFL prospect who hasn't quite played like one. If I had to pick one, it would be Riley Mills, but um, I think that group overall has to play well on Saturday. I, Michael B., you're next up on the Shamrock Live. See you on stage. Go ahead with your question. I just kind of piggybacking off a couple questions ago. I just wanted to get your thoughts on maybe this game looking more similar to last year's game than people realize. And I don't mean that in a way of like 
Notre Dame holding on for dear life to try and win. But I think in terms of like trying to establish the run and like it being a lower scoring game, I think it'll kind of look that way um, with a lower scoring total than what people realize. Just want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, Mike, I, I'm with you on it being lower scoring. Like, I would bet the under if I was a better. I'm not. But to me, it feels like a game where I, I can easily see both teams sort of being very cagey in the first quarter, and it's like it's 3 nothing at the end of the first quarter. I could still see the game ending up 28-24 and being high, more higher scoring than last year because both teams can score, opposed to only one. But I'm with you in the sense that, like, I could see both teams sort of feeling each other out in the first quarter where you're trying not to lose the game at the beginning, opposed to trying out and going to win it. Like maybe that would lead Jared Parker to be like, no, screw that. We're going to take a deep shot on the first play of the game, but I'm with you in that. I don't see a shootout, but both teams can score. I think if the team that got to 30 will first would win, but I think like 20, 25, 26, 27, 28 points, like that to me feels like probably what the winning team's scoring output is going to be. All right, Catherine B, calling you to the stage. Go ahead with your question. Fantastic. Okay, so I'm wondering, having seen Sam Hartman get some of that home field magic uh, and being, I believe, the first solo player that I can think of at least, apart from maybe some Indiana guy, uh, to get a home field T-shirt, how important do you think that this season is for him in terms of proof of concept of Notre Dame's best sort of pitch for recruits in NIL, which is to say that Notre Dame at its best is a national brand that can't really, you don't have much competition in terms of the mm-hmm. reach of the brand. I think it's very significant because like Marcus has tried to make this NIL pitch to recruits before about like, you might not have the upfront NIL deals that some other schools have, but like you come to Notre Dame and you're a dude, there's a ton of opportunities for you. And this was true with Kyle Hamilton. It was true with Michael Mayer, but it's just, it's just different with a quarterback. It's always going to be just different with a quarterback. So I think if you're CJ Carr or uh, you're Deuce Knight, like you're looking at what's going on with Sam Hartman and be like, okay, I can get a piece of that at Notre Dame. I think it's, proof of concept for recruiting but it sure is proof of concept for the next time Notre Dame needs to go get a Sam Hartman which who knows maybe this offseason so I think that's really significant because if Notre Dame is going to play the NIL game in a way that is you have to do something before you get paid and we can split hairs and say well Sam Hartman didn't do anything at Notre Dame before he got paid certainly did a lot at Wake Forest coming in. It's significant to me that it puts some teeth into Notre Dame's recruiting pitch about like the brand here is different. The scale here is different. And I do think like if Notre Dame wins tomorrow night and Sam Hartman plays well, uh, then that concept will be undeniable for Notre Dame and its recruiting pitch. All right. Hayden A, I'm going to call you to the stage here. Go ahead with your question. So I've, Graduated from Notre Dame in 2021. I covered football for the student newspaper, The Observer. We actually shared a press box a couple times. But I just wanted to plug their current coverage because I don't know if you've heard the term heart mania thrown around for Sam Hartman. I have not. It's apparently someone coined it. I don't know who. There's like a column on The Observer today and 
their coverage, talking about just how popular he is with the student body. And I know you've talked about that before and just wanted to gauge your thoughts on that and the fact that you have Hartman and Freeman, who are two of the most charismatic figures leading the football program. It definitely adds, uh, I think, just some juice to it. Like the Freeman-Hartman combination uh, is very popular in my house. I think that it's very popular with all sorts of Notre Dame fans, no matter how checked in you are to football or not, because they just like they come across with some dude qualities, both very good looking men. There's just sort of like a, an appeal to Notre Dame that has not been here in a while. And I, you know, with, when it comes to NIL, that's part of it. Like, that's not to say that Notre Dame hasn't had good quarterbacks in the past, but like when you have a presence about you, that resonates with people. And I think Sam Hartman definitely has one. I, I read the story in the observer today of just about, you know, Sam Hartman being popular with his teammates. I do think there's like a, a bigger story there just about like his presence on campus and what that's been like. There's just a different vibe around him. It's like Notre Dame has had good quarterbacks before, but it's been a while since it's had a rock star quarterback. And I think that him, Sam Hartman is, is in a different group of quarterbacks. He's got, a rock star ability about him. All right, we're going to move ahead to Matthew R. Matthew R., I'm calling you to the stage on the Shamrock Live. All right. Gotcha. Go ahead with your question. Sure. Yeah, I'm just wondering as kind of a cynical cynical Notre Dame fan, huge fan, but how is the national media and Ohio State going to invalidate a win here? What's the reason this time? (laughs) McCord is inexperienced. Their offensive line is not you know, gelled yet. We got a Merck at quarterback. The refs are bad. Just, just give me, give me how I'm going to, how I'm going to feel, how, how I'm going to be pissed after this. How about that? <laughs> yes. That's an interesting way to put it. How, as a Notre Dame fan, how will you be upset that Notre Dame won? Like, I think that there are very, there are a few schools in the country that are sort of like narrative proof for this Alabama, Georgia, Ohio state. Like if this was Clemson, and Notre Dame won tomorrow night, I think that there, it would be easy to write the Clemson is on the back slide of the dynasty that they had built. Um, they're not what they used to be, yada, yada. And that, like, that may be true. I think Ohio State with Marvin Harrison and JT Tulemolau, like this team is loaded. Um, it's a national title contender. It was within a missed field goal of probably winning it all last year. So I do not see a, oh, Ohio State isn't as good as we thought story being possibly written tomorrow night. And I think that's probably even if, even if Notre Dame wins by a big, by a big number, because I think just the Ohio State brand is strong enough that they've earned the benefit of the doubt that when they lose, you don't automatically think like, oh, you know, maybe they're not all that. So with Clemson, I could see it. USC maybe, but still it's Caleb Williams at this point. So I I would go as far to say, this is a bold proclamation, that if Notre Dame beats Ohio State on Saturday night, you won't find a reason to be upset about it. All right, Ryan B. is next. I'm calling you to the stage on the Shamrock Live. See if Ryan B. pops up. There you are. Go ahead with the question, Ryan B. Uh, yeah, I was just um, wondering if there was any updates on, like, the, on the injury um, mm-hmm. side of things. I know you said... I believe you said that Gabe Rubio is uh, planning to play, but is there any update on like Bertrand on defense yeah. or DJ Brown? Just because I think yeah. if Notre Dame has everybody healthy, then it'll go a long way with uh, doing well tomorrow night. 
Yeah, no doubt. So the injury update, J.D. Bertrand is back. Middle linebacker, D.J. Brown is back. At safety, Bertrand had a concussion. Brown had a hamstring. Mitchell Evans, Marcus Freeman said he will play. Uh, he had a concussion a couple weeks ago, so he's cleared to play. Gabe Rubio is the one that I kind of want to see in warm-ups. I know Marcus Freeman has said he's going to play. I'm not sure what level of intensity he was able to meet in practice this week. So that Gabe Rubio is of those four is the one that I want to watch in warmups the most to see like, all right, is this guy ready to go or not? That would be the one, but Freeman says all four are going to play against Ohio state. I think that they will all suit up and I think three of them will play for sure. And then Gabe Rubio, I want to see like, do they warm up? Okay. Then can you give him five snaps, 10 snaps, 15 snaps? I think that you're looking for just sort of a, a supplementary role, but that could be significant because I think the difference between Gabe Rubio and Donovan Heinrich is, is big. That could be the difference between Travion Henderson ripping off a 15-yard run up the middle and a two-yard run up the middle because Rubio is bigger and longer and stronger than um, than what Heinrich is right now. Next, I'm going to jump to Andrew S. Andrew S., you are next hey, up hey. on the Shamrock Live. Yeah, hey, Pete. I was just wondering, we haven't been talking much about Irish field goal game probably just because they haven't had to kick many field goals. But how does the coaching yep. staff see Spencer Schrader? Um, you know, it seems like he's had opportunities at long field goals, with mixed results. But just mm-hmm. given that this will probably be a close game, um, do they see it like as an asset, a liability, or kind of neutral? I think asset, Spencer Schrader is probably the most impressive 50% field goal kicker I can remember that I've covered in Notre Dame. Yeah, it's like, I want to say, what, four of his attempts were 50 yards or longer? They're confident that he can make them, which is different than saying that he will make them at a high percentage. Um, he's got the leg to do it. And I think even even his misses have looked good, if that can be a thing for a kicker. So if Notre Dame is a situation tomorrow night where they need a field goal to tie it or win it at the end, I think from 45 yards and in, Notre Dame is very confident that Schrader will make it. And I think probably from 55 yards and in, they're confident that it's worth trying opposed to like, a Hail Mary pass at a very low percentage. That's different than saying that Schrader would make a 57-yard field goal to beat Ohio State, but I do think Notre Dame believes that he can, and they would try it in that situation opposed to, you know, kind of the, the Hail Mary uh, hoping for a deflection, the low percentage game that way. All right, Robert C., you're next on the Shamrock Live. Robert C., go ahead with your question. Hey, Pete, does the interior line have a short leash this weekend? The interior offensive line, I, you know, Billy Shrouth, how close or far he is to playing, I think he's getting closer. But I think that Pat Coogan and Zeke Corral, the staff, feels pretty good about. Rocco Spindler is the, the right guard spot tomorrow night is where I would pressure the heck out of Sam Hartman if I could. Uh, if I was Ohio State, I think that's, that's sort of where some of the big pressures have come, um, both at NC State and against Central Michigan last week. So, I don't know if they would make a change like inserting Billy Shrouth for his first real college action against Ohio state doesn't seem like setting up a kid for success, but I think that he is getting closer to being ready to go every week. I just don't know if this is the week where that happens. All right. Carl S next on the Shamrock lab. Carl S go ahead with your question. Well, yeah, first, just a quick comment. Um, just a, Sincere thanks for all of us for helping us through the ups and downs, <laughs> the therapy you give us every week and your good bald friends out there too. So appreciate that. 
I think what, for me, it's, it's a part, just a quick ask and, and Andrew, I think kind of covered a little bit of this is I, I'm just packing my bags, getting ready to fly out there today. I, I feel this PTSD. I've been in the 05. I went to school there in the nineties. Like what are the two or three things, kind of a two-parter here. What are the two or three things I can just keep down and, and to keep me, keep me sane through this, through this Saturday. And then my real question after that would be, do you think there's anything behind the officiating? Like, is it really just us over overblowing things, or is there really something out there that they have against yeah. Notre Dame? I think in terms of Carl, your your PTSD about flying to South Bend. Like, when's the last time Notre Dame played in a big game where they had the better quarterback? You know, Tim O'Malley is one of my old colleagues. Like, he was like, I don't know, like 2006 USC when it was Brady Quinn versus John David Booty, but the rest of the roster was so imbalanced it didn't make a difference. Like. It's been a long time since a good Notre Dame team went into a big game, certainly at home, where it also had the better quarterbacks. I put a ton of weight into that. So, Carl, that, that might help you get through the flight with, uh, you know, a gin and tonic or something like that. Um, and then, I don't know, it's like I've never been confident, per se, in Notre Dame sort of in a big game against a team like Ohio State, sort of, but I do feel that way now. And that's different to say that I think Notre Dame's going to win by 13 points, but I just feel more comfortable picking Notre Dame in this spot than I have in other games against Georgia or certainly Alabama. You know, I thought that they would win the Clemson game in 2020, but um, this is a game where like Notre Dame has earned the right to feel confident. I don't, I don't think feeling confident in Notre Dame's chances tomorrow night is wishful thinking. I think Notre Dame is just good and they have the better quarterback and the game is at home. So there's a lot that I think Notre Dame fans should feel confident about. All right, Austin M., I'm going to go to you next on the Shamrock Live. Austin, go ahead with your question. Hey, Pete, how's it going? Great. This seems like if Marvin Harrison gets going tomorrow, it's, it's going to be a mm-hmm. tough day. But if Marvin Harrison ends up with one or two receptions, it's hard to see us losing. How do you think technically that Benjamin Morrison and Marvin Harrison stack up against each other? It's a good question because it's like I was going back and watching the game last year, and I referenced this in the story that I wrote on Athletic about Benjamin Morrison, like his first snap was actually press coverage against Marvin Harrison. Ohio State false started, so technically it wasn't a snap. But I think, you know, between Morrison and Hart, Notre Dame feels pretty good. Not about like, hey, just one-on-one put you on an island, but you can handle your business out there. We don't we don't need to help you out. If you remember the 2012 game against USC, I think it was 2012, they put freshman Kavari Russell against Marquise Lee. They played a lot of help over the top, and they told Corey Russell, if this guy beats you, just tackle him. And he did probably like three or four times. Like, I think Notre Dame's corners are smart enough to do that, but talented enough that they probably won't have to. You go back and look at the game last year, Marvin Harrison almost made an incredible touchdown catch. I think it was in the first quarter. I can't remember the corner he got behind, but C.J. Stroud just put the ball it was like a back shoulder going out of the end zone and he almost caught it like at the pylon and the ball popped out after he hit the ground. Like Marvin Harrison is capable of that stuff to me. And it's sort of like in my final preview for the week is I think one of the keys it's catches and yards are, are sort of catches are okay for Abuka and Harrison. It's the yardage after the catch. That's where I think Notre Dame has to, to do a great job against those guys. Marvin Harrison had one yard after the catch against Notre Dame last year. I think Rebecca Buka had 55 or 53, and one of them was on his touchdown catch. So it's like 
keep them in front of you, and when they catch it, bring them down immediately. You know, if Marvin Harrison has eight catches for 100 yards tomorrow night, like, that's okay. If he's averaging 20 yards per catch, that's where you get killed. So I think Notre Dame is a pretty good tackling secondary. I like I like that part of the matchup. And they have a formula that worked last year um, in terms of keeping those receivers in front of them and preventing yards after catch. So the yards after catch is almost, to me, more important than what the actual catch total is. All right, Shay M., calling you to the stage next on Shamrock Live. Shay, you're there. Go ahead with your question. Hey, I wanted to ask you about Notre Dame's composure level because I don't believe up until now they have trailed in any game or any part of any game. So just your thoughts, if it's early in the third quarter and we're down 14 points, do you see Notre Dame adjusting their uh, offense at all? Or do you – I know Sam Hartman – won't Mm -hmm. panic but i'm a little concerned about the rest of the team (laughs) so i don't know what's your thoughts in case if we're down a little bit in the third quarter and and how we uh react to that 14 points in the third quarter would be reason to like adjust what you're doing i do think it's one of the sneaky beneficial parts of the about the nc state game where like even though notre dame didn't trail if i'm correct on that they felt they felt game pressure it felt like after I think the Hartman sack, NC State had the ball basically at the the red zone going in with a chance to tie the game. Like that was real game pressure. And I think that having experienced that at least briefly once helps Notre Dame. You know, I think because the flip side is like, what if that happens to Ohio State? Like who would be more prepared to deal with a 10-point deficit in the third quarter, Kyle McCord or Sam Hartman? Sam Hartman has had a ton of 10-point deficits in the third quarter, so I don't, I don't think he will get rattled at all. But how Jared Parker, his offensive coordinator, counterpunches when things aren't going well, if they're not going well, that would be interesting to me. I think, again, that's the benefit of the NC State game for Notre Dame, where they, ha- they had a game plan that didn't work, and they had to find a new game plan, and they did a nice job of it. So I think Notre Dame has had at least a taste of that kind of adversity, whereas I'm not sure, like, did that – Ohio State winning at Indiana, does that count? Maybe. But I would feel more confident in Notre Dame coming back than I would Ohio State, which sounds kind of weird to say, but I think it comes down to the quarterback situation where Sam Hartman has played in these games a lot. Like, you think back to the Clemson game he played last year where he was just on point with these back shoulder fades, go routes. He's had to throw a team back into a game before. Kyle McCord hasn't. So I think in some ways, like, Notre Dame might be more set to deal with a deficit than Ohio State would. But I think having a quarterback who's played in a ton of these games and lost them and come back from them and all that, like, that I think helps Notre Dame on Saturday night if if they go down uh, in the second half. That's all the questions we have from the queue. If you've got one, you can hop on. and I can call you to the stage. So, yeah, I would. if there's anything more that you guys want to talk about today, I'm just kind of scrolling the uh, the chat. Robert C. Adds, how confident are you that Hartman is 100% healthy? Pretty confident. Something that I've been tracking during the week, checking with some sources on that. I feel pretty good about it going into the game. You know, Matt P., what are the, the keys to winning? I think that being stubborn with Audric Estime is very significant. And Matthew R.S., Mitchell Evans, passing it this week. 
I would like to see them, you know, some play action him, but I think Mitchell Evans in the run game is a big part about getting Audrey Gustame going against a really good defense. That's something I do, I do think we probably haven't spent enough time talking about how good Ohio State's defense is. Like their stats are pretty much right there with Notre Dame. That sort of feeds into why I think it might be the under might be more of a play on Saturday night than otherwise. It's going to be a fun one on Saturday. I hope most of you can get out here for it. I'm going to hop off here and walk campus a little bit, see how much red I can pick up, go by the uh, the college game day set up outside the library by the North Tunnel. And uh, on this, like, I do think this is kind of one of those games where I could be writing an oral history of it 10 years later. It's kind of got that that energy about it. So should be a fun one on Saturday night. Hope you guys all get to enjoy it, whether you're in the stadium, at a bar, on your couch. These games don't come around very often in college football. So I think hopefully you guys all get to sort of savor the moment. And then when we talk next week, I'll be back to my usual Fairfield in North Carolina mode for the Shamrock Live in Durham. But should be a very interesting week coming out of this one way or the other. But I appreciate everyone being with us today on this edition of the Shamrock Live.